opportunity to come back, win, and prove that he was, well, maybe not exactly right, but prove that he had a point and prove that there might have been a question of a loss of integrity. There might have been a slight of a vote here and there. I'm not saying it did, but I'm saying for your brand, for your legacy, how do you want people to remember you? What's going on, guys? And welcome back to the Shifty Q podcast with Alan Kay. This is episode 3.23 Legacies, Champions, and Drama, the Florida Natural Pro Recap 2023. And in this episode, I'm going to highlight my five biggest takeaways from this last weekend's events, as well as talk about the drama that ensued after the show. And then talk about the way moving forward that I would feel be, would be the best way moving forward from that event. But before I get into that, guys, do me a favor and like, follow, and subscribe to the channel and this episode if you gain something out of it or if you gain something in the previous episodes do me a favor and then, you know, follow it or follow it, share it with anyone who you think can benefit from it as well as, yeah, just let me know what you guys think about the episode. I definitely want to create content and conversations that serve us into a better place, whether it be bodybuilding, whether it be mental or emotional help, help health, and I guess help. And by liking certain episodes, commenting and creating those conversations, that's how I know what conversations are more privy towards that goal. But let's talk about this. So this last weekend, and it might be the weekend prior based on whenever you decided to listen to this, I got the opportunity to commentate for the Florida Natural Pro, both the amateur and the pro show uh, for natural bodybuilding in Orlando, Florida. Big shout out to Sammy Joe and the Soap Culture Life platform that provided me that opportunity to do so. And in that I got to part, you know, instead of being a participant or being a competitor, I got to see the show in its entirety from a third party spectator perspective, and then obviously provide my opinions. It was pretty phenomenal to be in a setting where a lot of the top natural athletes came together and competed. The camaraderie, the energy, the vibe. And what I found really uh, amazing about that is how all the other athletes were pretty much saying the same thing. So that experience was pretty exciting for other people as well. And what it seemed like to me, and I might be, jumping ahead of here a little bit more uh, forward than, than necessary. But what it feels like, it's like a big natural Olympia type event with regards to the natural bodybuilding world. Like if you look at the top natural athletes in bodybuilding in classic physique or physique, they were all pretty much there. One of the athletes who was one of the top bodybuilding competitors, he even told me that he went backstage and just wasn't expecting to feel that pressure of having other top athletes competing against him in these kind of shows. And it actually changed the way he decided to energetically approach the stage. And um, I'll kind of get into what that exact moment was because it was a pretty phenomenal um, feeling or pretty phenomenal aura to be in because I didn't expect to see that particular event and I'm going to go into it and when I get into my top five list. What I enjoyed about my experience is that I got to commentate from a perspective of not knowing bodybuilding to the same extent as my co-host Sammy and then Robin and then Chris as well. And therefore, like a lot of the questions and a lot of the comments that I was asking or providing were a lot 
of the same for people that don't follow the sport. And I think having that balance between the people that are vetted into the sport, as well as people that are just getting into it, I think there's a really, there's a lot to be had and a lot to be learned in that experience from both. And what I really enjoyed is that also during that show, I would ask questions such as I didn't know that traveling more than two or three hours in the air can make your body bloat. And for someone who is a bodybuilder, someone who, you know, in general, just doesn't like being bloated, um, kind of learn about why your body bloats and how the tendencies that it has and how certain athletes that travel actually have to accommodate for a day or two of that blow in order for them to step up on stage as optimally as possible. And what was really beneficial about the hotel that the event was at, there was a sauna. I noticed that thing being used religiously amongst the athletes. But to go back into it, um, I, as someone who is just getting into this, as someone who is a, um, a naturally just a questioning attitude, I love learning. I love seeing it from a perspective of different stories because, you know, you guys know my story of bodybuilding and what it's done for me. Now imagine an entire exhibit of 140 plus athletes that are all of the same nature. And that's just the athletes alone. That's not even talking about like the teams that they're a part of the coaches that got them to that event, as well as all the other vendors. And, and the entire event is such a phenomenal experience. And I'll be really honest with you. I, I, left the event wanting to compete again. And I think that is what we're going to lean towards. Um, I am probably going to switch coaches. I, with, with that being said, the reason why I like switching coaches is I like hearing and seeing different perspectives on the same approach. I learn from different coaches. I learn from what I respond to as a person. And therefore, you know, if anybody really wants a perspective on what kind of a coach that they want, I definitely want to be a source for someone that says, oh, hey, this is the kind of coach you should get or for this federation or this approach. Hey, I know how you operate. This is how that is. It's interesting to learn that experience because for me competing, I, I have no desire to be the, the number one natural physique in natural bodybuilding. That's no desire. I just love competing. I love bulking and putting on weight in the falls and winters. I like leaning down for summer. I like competing and, and giving people a journey to follow as well as learning about myself in that process, because every single time I invest in my invest into my health in that such a drastic manner. Yes, it's exhausting, but I've noticed a lot of other areas of my life supersede in, in a, in a very constructive way. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that when you are training for a competition, you have to put your body at a priority. You have to put your habits, the workouts, the, the, the eating, the everything else that incorporates with you being a competitive athlete in this sport. And those initial behaviors, those intrinsic planning and that, that um, what's what I'm looking for, um, prioritization, all in the event to grasp something in a, in a delayed gratification manner and, and at a level that's what you would theoretically view as your highest self. It's the pursuit of those and the mindset of those that I honestly believe supersede into everyday life. And, and that's why I'm a huge, huge proponent of natural bodybuilding. Well, bodybuilding as a whole, making the gym and making eating a, a priority, because what I have seen is that people that take care of themselves in both of those regards, and then the magical third one is maintaining those things consistently. So eating properly, working out properly and consistently or well, working out properly. And the third one is doing both of those consistently. I've seen people that do that have success in other areas of their life. Now, for me, that's what my 
biggest pushes. That's what I love doing. I love people pushing people into that. And for me as a commentator, as someone who's just a personality in the sport, which I would much rather just be a personality than a champion trust. I like creating that segue for people to connect with athletes, connect with investing into themselves at a higher level that they would otherwise not have ever believed in. And then also seeing what that initial energy, that mindset, those behaviors, what that does for that respective athlete once they learn that process. Now, when you, it, it, I think it's a little bit different between people that are just getting into the sport that have working out as some type of hobby, and then they kind of get into competing once. Like the, the amount of growth I've seen from people is way more significant on the very first competition for people that have never competed and then compete once than it is for people like me who by the next time I compete, it'll be the fourth time I've competed. And I, and I think that's where we kind of draw the line. And, you know, I can't really speak on behalf of how much growth I've had um, from the second show until now. Now, I think with regards to like my body and getting these detailed results a little bit more detail, yes, I've learned significant. But if I were to really, you know, encapsulate how much like the magnitude of growth and, and everything that I'm speaking about there, it's more evident and more clear the first time you ever do it because you learn what the better foods are for you. You learn how your body responds. And by the time you build through all of these different intrinsic things and you get up on stage and you're up there getting judged amongst your peers, like it takes a lot of work to get to that point where you're getting judged and you just don't give a fuck because you're confident with who you are. And that work is so significant. And, you know, especially with a lot of people that are going through eating habits, terrible eating habits, terrible dietary lifestyles and obesity and the whole nine yards are just growing at an exponential rate. There's no other sport in my opinion than to promote that. I mean, there's no better sport to promote than natural bodying, especially natural body building at this time. Um, and especially at a point where you have a lot of insecure people about their bodies trying to get to a result immediately. And you see people abusing PEDs, uh, abusing their eating habits, abusing all these different things. And in my opinion, if you just teach them about natural bodybuilding, if you teach them about the same habits and behaviors a lot of these athletes exhibit, you'd realize that there are actually just great habits that, in my opinion, people should be taking already. They're just doing it at a, at a more eccentric rate, a more concentrated effort because their goal is more concentrated. And that's all I just want people to see is a lot of these things are attainable as long as you prioritize your health and you prioritize the right habits. And not only that, but you can also like combine habits to make things a little bit more conducive towards making it towards your lifestyle. Like for example, I have it tuned into my body whenever, every time I wake up, I work out. I it's whether it's lifting, whether it's running, I haven't done very much running lately. I'm not going to lie to you, <laughs> but I've created that habit so much to the point where when I have my days off where I'm not supposed to lift, I freaking feel antsy as hell because I feel like my entire schedule is discombobulated by not working out. I know that when um, I eat, I feel really awkward if I don't have something meal planned ahead of time. And also I find myself paying exponentially more in price with regards to fast food or anything that's I didn't cook because inflation's a bitch right now. And it's just by like creating these better habits that you realize that the difference between someone who is a competitive bodybuilder and someone who is just lifting regularly, like the, the differences aren't very far off, but it's because people put this label of bodybuilder at such a high accolade they don't even look into what it takes to become one or mimic the habits of. And it's interesting on how a lot of people approach their goals and their dreams and their other 
was uh, aspirations. They they put him in that same regard. Um, like for example, like like the 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 person that wants to have abs, right? I always default to this. They you know because we have a lot of people put these things like abs on a pedestal. Only like one percent of whatever people have abs. And it's interesting on what perspective you want to look at, because if you tell yourself abs are impossible, you're going to find every reason for abs to be impossible. You're going to see all these people talk about genetics, people that complain that it has to be steroids or something else. But if you break down like the habits of people that have abs as a lifestyle, you realize it's just a concentrated set of habits replayed over and 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 over again. And it's about like, yeah, it's about a deficit. And I, I don't want to do that, but it's just about a healthier overall lifestyle. But that really takes for you to break down what it is that you want. And you have to break it down into a set of habits and behaviors. And again, something like bodybuilding to get up on stage. If you break down the habits and behaviors to get up on stage, you realize that it has nothing to do with being a bodybuilder, but rather breaking down the goal into a way that you can actually measure and get yourself there. Like I've said it over and over again, what makes me a competitive bodybuilder is not the fact that I just, well, it is the fact that I have, I do go up there with the low body fat and I do have some type of a muscle mass, but the way that those things are constructed are ways of just like, like I said, working out at very specific times, eating, and corralling my daily habits to perpetuate and make those habits a priority and therefore making my body a priority. And it's not like, so in other words, like the next thing I eat is in a couple of hours here, it's my second lunch of the day. And I know I got to have some type of protein, some type of carb or some type of vegetable too. I don't go, Oh man, this, this is the next thing I to do to get to 7% body fat. Like, you can't think like that. You just have to break it down into habits, behaviors, and you will realize that the difference between someone who just kind of kind of works out and kind of has some results and someone who gets up on stage is just this the specifics of how you approach your daily habits. And that's again, that's exactly the reason why I like commentating from this perspective. I enjoy connecting the community to the regular world. That's what I did a lot of in poker when I was a personality in poker and bringing the community together is just something I absolutely, absolutely enjoy. All right. Enough of those tangents, even though that seemed to go on a lot of them, but before we get into the five habits again, I'm going to talk about or the five biggest takeaways. Um, kind of want to update the training. Cause I put it out in the last episode that I wanted to get into MMA training, eventually get into a fight. ASMR break. Ah, all right. So I put out the very last episode that the, the I had a goal of getting into an, a fight to train into a fight. And now that is still the goal. But I'll tell you when I started putting that message out, connecting with people that do train for events, that do train for fights, one of my buddies that reached out to me said something that has that hasn't left my mind yet which is he trained to be a wrestler his, his entire life through high school through the whole nine yards and by the time he decided to make that decision to train to fight he said it took him 3 years just to be safe in a ring three years of training on top of the lifetime training of being a wrestler just to feel like he could be safe in the ring. And so with that being said, I kind of really took, took it back. And I'm like, you know, as much as I'm saying, I want to get into a fight. Now, mind you, I guess I can really just go out and get into a fight with someone, which I don't know what that would prove, but um, from the sake of being in a professional fight or at least an organized kind of a fight and training for that, I realize I still have a lot to learn. I still don't 
you know, as, as much as we want to sit here and be like, I want to do this. I want to do that. Again, it's a completely different mindset from going from lifting a weight and seeing if I could prioritize making the gym, uh, a, a, a force a habit or making that a priority opposed to training to be in a ring where the other guy has a mindset of killing me. That's a completely different set of training. And you can lift all the weights in the world. I could do all the sprints. I could practice all the whatever. But again, that's something that takes a little bit more than just putting a timestamp on it. And with that being said, I think the plan now it keeps on pivoting god knows maybe next episode i'm just gonna say fuck all this and i'm not doing that but the plan right now to train and incorporate both now bodybuilding and uh the potential mma is sign up for some kind of a striking course like boxing some type of kickboxing utilize training for that as a form of cardio, as a different form of exerting my muscles to perform in a certain way. And then kind of balance that out with weightlifting. And then we'll see where that goes. I think that's the first thing from my understanding. There's a lot of people that um, for, for all my friends that are in the sport, they have all recommended to start with something of that. Start with Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. I'm still not saying that correctly. Brazilian Jiu-jitsu. Jiu-jitsu. Fuck. I couldn't say Brazilian. I kept on saying Brazilian. Fuck. I kept on saying Brazilian, and I'm saying it fucking right now. Brazilian Jiu-jitsu. BJJ. To have some kind of foundation like that, some kind of foundation like boxing, and then growing from that. And so I think, you know, for more, for better balancing training, cross-training, between both sports because I still want to now bodybuild. And after being at this event, I definitely want to bodybuild again and do another competition. I think the best way, like I said, is to do some type of striking, um, use that and utilize that as cardio all the while still recovering, eating, building muscles um, from a bodybuilding perspective. I, I think it's going to be really interesting to learn what the best way to recover uh, what kind of macros I could do balance of both. Cause it's, it's going to be a lot of two sport different approaches. And then it's going to be interesting to see where, you know, the closer we get to competition, how able I am to still train and cross train. And at what point do we cut off the boxing or cut off whatever it is and just focus on bodybuilding and then see how that is going to have an effect on just everything else. I um, got in contact with, an athlete from this past weekend who started as a boxer and then she converted over into bodybuilding and it kind of started getting pointers from her. Um, and I think, like I said, that is where we're going to go with that. All right. So let's get into this guys. Cause I, I don't want to make this too long, but there's definitely a lot to be said about this past event and the five biggest takeaways on top of, the drama that ended the perspective that I'm going to take on that or that I have taken on that as well as the way moving forward and how the drama is actually a good thing. So number five, this is going to be a countdown um, from yeah, from five to one. I had something else to say to that. And I, I just, as soon as I said, that's going to be a countdown and started explaining, I'm like, uh, what else do you explain a countdown? Then it says from the biggest number to the smallest one. Anyways, all right, number five, the fifth biggest takeaway that I got out of the Florida Natural Pro was the setup and the venue. Now, I am just comparing this to my experience with the OCB. And the events that I have done with OCB and as a competitor, I will tell you that when I did my events with OCB, when I did it in Vegas, when I did it in Tucson, it was a really like the stage wasn't set for what the event was like. There, there weren't enough competitors, but the venue was so big that it just felt like we we're in an empty hallway. And I think 
that by setting up the venue at a Hilton or a smaller exhibit, it kind of channeled the crowd all towards the stage. And what I liked about that is during the events, there were hardly any empty seats. Now, in a venue like a hotel exhibit, and I, I need you guys to use your imagination on here. I'm pretty sure you guys can see where like how the stage will be situated, where all the crowd will be looking at. Now, I want you to compare that to something of like a stadium or some type of a bigger basketball court where the, where the seats are so far apart from the stage and there's so much room for other places to be big gaps. Like it's not as energetically centric as something that is situated in the same way that the Hilton is. The way that that specific conference room was set up, all the energy was directed towards the stage. On top of that, there was a DJ, there was an MC, the commentary, there was a live stream going on because here's the reality. A lot of these athletes go to these events and the only people that go, if anybody else goes, is just their family, maybe a coach or two, and that's about it. A lot of friends would like to support their friends on stage, but don't want to show up for the entire event. So the fact that the live stream was existed and it connected thousands of people to the stage at any given time was a phenomenal opportunity for that to extend out beyond just the stage and allowed a lot of other people to connect. The previous shows that I did that where I was a competitor didn't have that vibe there wasn't a sense of community as there was in the Florida pro on top of that. It just, it just felt the the difference. Honestly, if I were to, I were to pick a really big contrasting difference between the venue that I experienced at the Florida pro and the venues that I've experienced with my previous OCB competitions as a competitor was that it felt like the Florida pro there was a lot of effort, care, and um, persistence of branding in that. In other words, it, it gave all of the athletes an opportunity to promote themselves in the sport beyond just the platform of the event. And by bringing all of these events, energies, personalities all together that energy just manifested. It was just a huge, huge event. Whereas the previous events that I did, it just felt like it was put together last minute. I spoke about it. The last venue that I went to, we, I felt like I had to fight through homeless people just to get to the front door. Again, I have nothing against homeless people, but it doesn't you know, make it really fun to try to a find the venue, find the venue entrance and then kind of, mind all these other people while you have this huge prep brain while you're trying to focus on a, on what you're going to do in competition your hormones are already all out of whack because you're on prep and um, I, I could definitely say that this venue had a lot of emphasis for the athlete to connect to share who they are and to provide them all of a platform to network with one another as well so that was number five, the venue, the setup. Oh, and here's another thing. I'm not trying to chastise um, or put down anybody that set up those events for the OCB or that federation as a general whole. Um, and and here's another thing. Those are local shows that I did. This was like more of a national show that I did at Florida Pro. But, but you know, I'm huge on the presentation of your product shouldn't rely on circumstance. Like it should just be a consistent of who the hell you are because no matter what you do it should be a representation of you and so therefore i hope anybody that listens to this understands what makes an event a better event i mean as it is natural bodybuilding doesn't have very much money in it i know that these events don't generate very much money and in my opinion if you start getting rid of some of the smaller events that don't put in any kind of effort like this past event did and you have more events like the florida pro put as much effort into it 
it'll draw more athletes to more events and it'll generate more money exponentially. Like stop trying to get these small little potentially profit episodes or events and instead look for a better cause that where everybody else can benefit all at once, not just you. Okay, so the number four, the number fourth event or the number four biggest takeaway I got from the event were the fat ash cookies. I, I those cookies are so fucking good. There's at least like 10 different ones. There's like a a cinnamon like churro or cinnamon toast crunch kind of a thing. There's like a coffee one. There's a s'mores version, a chocolate chip. And what better way could you have positioned yourself to be one of the most amazing snacks on the entire world and put it in a bodybuilding competition where people get to indulge in these delicious morsels of sweets right after the competition. Like these cookies were so damn good. And I spoke about in the previous episode that the foods that come up to these events, like the creativity of bodybuilders, when it comes to creating snacks, when it comes to splurging, it's just amazing. Um, You know, think about, if you're going to only have one steak, you know, you could only have it once a year, but you get to decorate that steak however you want. You're going to put your fucking time into how you're going to decorate. You're going to put mushrooms on. You're going to put mushroom or onions. Or are you going to put some type of seasoning? How is it going to be cooked? For me, it's medium well, and I know I'm going to lose people with that, but I don't like shit that's fucking dying. I don't know. I don't know why people like rare steak so damn much. It's all fucking bleeding. It's all red inside. It's fucking mooing in your mouth. And um, I'd I'd rather it be dead by the time I eat it. But you get the point. You know, if you have something that you genuinely love and you could only have it so seldomly, when you get the opportunity to do it, you're going to make sure that you take your time to enjoy it, to indulge in it. And by creating these events like bodybuilding, where it's the ultimate wait until the end of a competition to indulge yourself. What better way than have these amazing fucking cookies? Like, oh God, I'm, I'm actually just, oh, I'm just thinking about it right now. So delicious. Whew. Okay. The third biggest takeaway from the Florida pro would be mindsets. And, um, I know that's a huge turn from talking about cookies, so now we're talking about mindsets, but I, I really wanted to point out the what I learned from talking to the amateurs that were stepping up on stage and the difference between the pros that were stepping up on stage. The, the event was split into two days. The Saturday uh, was all about the amateurs. The pros were then performing on the following Sunday. And what I learned, because I've only been a competitor as an amateur and I've only met so many pros, but to talk to all of them in one concentrated area, one concentrated time, you can hear and feel the difference in confidence and in what they're confident about by just talking. And, you know, when I was doing the interviews for the amateurs, a lot of them were just excited, nervous about getting on stage for the first time. And but you could see that glow that they have. Like I was talking about, like, oh my God, this is my first event. I'm, you know, all excited about this. It doesn't matter. I've already won. Great. Fucking great. When I started talking to the pros and I started becoming around them, especially like the physique competitors. Oh my God, the All of them, all of them thought that they were going to win every single one of them. And I'm like, there's only like 10 there. I mean, there's only like one first place, but there's like 10 people that claim that they're going to win. And the mindset that they just had going into their competition, just calm, relaxed. Like you felt a little bit more anxiety from people that were amateurs you just felt calm and and relaxed. And, and it was just amazing to watch. You know, two athletes I want to name out specifically 
whose energies were just so confident and so assertive. And it, it showed when they step up on stage. It's called stage presence. But the two athletes, the biggest ones that really stuck out were Desario Smith and Courtney Spaeth. Those two athletes, every time they stepped up on stage, the energy just drew to them. And now, when you see all of the professional athletes comparing, you know, comparing them all side by side, when you get to that level of performance that those two athletes are at, the margin of what's better or what's not isn't very far off. It's it's very, very finite. But what separates those athletes in those moments of it being so finite and close is the energy and stage presence they just had. It's something about them that while they're up there, they knew they were it. They knew like, I am the number one person. I am the fucking shit. This is my stage. And everybody else just happens to be on it at the same time as me. But this is my fucking show. And now, obviously, they didn't say that in those words. But it's pretty evident that when those two were competing against the rest of their classes, they had it, the it, the, you know, the ice in the veins, the fucking presence. And um, it's so interesting to see these athletes have such a calm, confident demeanor their movements aren't rushed they're running at their own pace they're turning and flexing whenever the fuck they feel like it not when everybody else is and it's that energy that i really caught my eye to see that they are the standard that everybody else is comparing themselves to rather than the other way around and it's such a big kudos to those guys that train to that point, I mean, look, there's there's no amount of weights, there's no amount of posing, there's no amount of diets that manifest that kind of energy. There's something else that gets you to that point that says, I don't give a fuck how many calories you ate. I don't give like I'm better than you. And that energy was just so phenomenal to watch, to experience. And um, I definitely learned a lot by just watching those two athletes do what they do. All right. The number two, number two, um, biggest takeaway. So, so far the fifth one, I got at the setup in the venue. Number four, I got the fat ash cookies and all the other snacks that were there. Um, but specifically the fat ash cookies. God, I'm fucking hungry now. Not for snacks. This is this. anyways, <laughs> the, um, the differences in the mindset between the amateurs and pros and specifically uh, the two pros that I just mentioned, what I got out of them and how I'm going to apply that now forward. And now the second, the second biggest takeaway that I got is the actual athletes, the community, the team, the vibes, the love, the community, the feedback. It, it was just a phenomenal experience to be around all of these athletes who compete because I've said it over and over and over and over again. And if you're aware of the, the, the natural bodybuilding world and hell, I guess, I guess the bodybuilding world as an overall whole, the competitive bodybuilding world, there isn't very much money to be spread around. There really isn't very much incentive to succeed and exceed in the sport as of right now. So the athletes that you see, that you perform, that you compete against, that you meet, a lot of these guys are doing it out of pocket. A lot of these people are investing their hard-earned money into a prize. And, and like, for example, we have athletes that, that traveled from New Jersey. First place in one of the, the categories is like 1200 bucks, which is great. I, I'm not going to say 1200 bucks isn't very much. But, you know, for me, like, let's say I had competed, right? Like staying like a, a cross-country flight or any kind of flight is going to be a couple hundred dollars on top of the food that's going to be costed when you get there on top of the hotel stay 
and you realize that the margin of difference between winning the entirety in first place to having to even be there in the first place from anywhere else, it doesn't really pan out financially if you're trying to make a real big profit off of this. So therefore, the people that are there, they're doing it because they love the sport. And obviously, when you have an exhibit of people that share the same passion and love for the same sport, it's going to draw people together. And in a sport where you are where you're measured by your objective results and however the hell you get there, it's a huge, huge benefit towards people and their character humility and um i will say this over and over again the the people that are in natural bodybuilding are just fucking phenomenal and i have i didn't meet anybody negative that entire time i was there and it kind of now brings me to the first biggest takeaway that I got out of the sport. So really quickly, re, real quick synopsis, and I know it kind of blaze through this, but the five is a setup in the venue. The four is the cookies. The three is the difference in mindset between the pros and the amateurs. The two is the athletes, community, the team, the vibes. Like I said, the love, the community. It's amazing to, I forgot to even add this, but it's, it's, it's awesome to see a lot of these competitors that are competing against other people or, or that are, let me take this back. It's interesting to see competitors who compete against themselves in the same class, but still support another while they're on stage, while they're on backstage, like the amount of help that they give one another. So they, they individually both look good, as good as possible is amazing. And it's, it's Sammy says it the best, which is community over competition. And I can't help, but to, just love how much everybody makes each other better. And if you think about all like the great gym vibes and you think about what enables people to be better version of themselves from a standpoint of being confident and being supported, it's by relying on a community that all believes in that same principle. And um, there's there, I cannot be more grateful to have been around the energy, see the teams who have multiple athletes and see that support amongst one another. Um, another ASMR bank. Oh, I almost got in the mouse. That, like I said, the one big team that, that stuck out, though, was team, uh, I believe they're called Rare Breed. And a lot of those athletes, although they were competing, they would go out from backstage and be into the crowd. And then one of their teammates would get up on stage and start yelling for him, sending up all the energy. And that's what it's all about. You know, that's what it's all about putting, you know, grinding all together for the same common goal and then supporting one another in pursuit of that goal, because that journey is not easy. That journey is very challenging and everybody knows this, the challenge to get up on stage. So to see that mutual respect and love and camaraderie is, oh, amazing in that community. Now that again, gives me to my next spot my biggest takeaway from this entire event which is natural bodybuilding is on the rise but as i kind of illustrated with regards to the first place prize being only like 1200 bucks for a given class and the other small prizes but then huge costs in order for you to compete it's pretty obvious that as a competitor natural bodybuilding is not very beneficial from a monetary standpoint. But I think right now, we're in a very early stage. I think right now with the whole social media, people being scared of getting on PEDs, especially the cost of having to be on PEDs because of how much you have to then be on it permanently. I think that we have a phenomenal opportunity right now that if we channel all the energy correctly, if we channel all the profiles, the journeys, and we channel all of that into the correct events, the correct events like the Florida Pro that make it a point to promote athletes as well as promote other brands and provide that entire experience outward to anybody else that decides to tune in. 
I think everybody has an opportunity to build their brand and develop it. Now, what's crazy about the bodybuilding world is that it's estimated to be worth right now $87 billion. Back in 2021, it was only worth $33.25 billion. And with that being said, by 2028, the bodybuilding world is supposed to be is supposed to grow to over four hundred and thirty four billion dollars, which is over about a five x growth between now and then. You know, in a perfect world, that means a twelve hundred dollar prize is going to be what is that six thousand dollars of a of a prize if we're if everything works out linearly. Now I'm now it, I'm not trying to focus on that part, right? I'm trying to focus on the fact that the industry as a whole is starting to become more and more popular. I see more people walking around in like young LA clothes. I see people with wolves gear at the gym. I mean, I see more gear, supplements, everything else with regards to bodybuilding, and I just see it more and more popularized than ever. I think if you're trying to make just bodybuilding, just the competition as a source of income, like you're kind of fucking yourself. Like it's not very cost inducive right now. The the prize, the prize payouts aren't that great, but what these competitions do is provide you an opportunity to share your journey with other people that can relate to you. You have the opportunity to promote yourself and brand yourself in a way that just by talking about the things that you've had to overcome in order for you to get to up on stage, you can position yourself on, on how to brand that out to other people that can relate to those same kind of pain points. And that's kind of where we need to rethink a lot of this community. Cause you know, I haven't now mind you, I haven't been in the community very, very, very long. And this is all speculation based off of my limited experience of being in the community. But I'll tell you, you know, when I was in poker and I decided to take poker for a living, I realized that poker, although there is money in it, the money that comes into poker comes from the hobbyists, from the people that don't play poker for a living, the tourists, all the other people that just love the sport of poker. And it's by raising awareness, creating more avenues for more fans that poker gets its money and it's still a very profitable or it can be a profitable community. If it was just pros, people would lose money and people would never try to play poker as a whole for a living. But by, you know, a lot of these YouTube influencers, there's a lot of YouTube live streams with regards to poker and cash, the drama that gets ensued into the poker world because of those live streams, because of these personalities and because of these vlogs, poker's popularity has gained so much over the last few years. And that leads me to believe that we can do the same with natural bodybuilding, YouTube vlogs, Instagram follows. Because with the events, like, like, like for example, the Florida Natural. This next year, I mean, this, this year had over like 140 athletes. So mind you, for me... I've only competed in events that maybe had 50 total, what it felt like 60 total. This is, that's a huge guesstimate, but based on like, you know, maybe there's like seven people in my seven or eight people in my physique class. Uh, I think in Vegas, I had like 12 in this last one. They had like 20 something for just the pros and of itself. And they had to have it in two separate classes. It's interesting because you have an opportunity. If we get all the athletes together, you get enough athletes, concentrated athletes and name stables and labels into the same event. You can create those events to be way bigger than they already are. And I think that's what made the Florida pro the Florida pro. Not only did you have the setup in the venue, but you had the personalities. It's the athlete driven event. And I'm for all of you guys that are listening, who are trying to make a name in natural body building, who are people that are trying to monetize this, you have an opportunity that if you just find a way to market yourself, you brand it. There's a lot of people out there that want to get in better shape that don't want to go on PEDs. 
There was a lot of people, and that's kind of advice best comes from someone who's a natural bodybuilder, but you have to situate and position yourself to be relatable to nat to everyday people so that the sport is a welcome invite for anybody that wants to a participate or b just observe. But this is where we're at with the sport. This is where we're at with the money of where it's at. People would much rather right now go to like the Joey Swoles or the Chris Bums or the PD athletes, which is fine, right? They've earned that right to be there. But we we have to stop saying that that's the reason why we're being held back. And we got to start enhancing our public relations, enhancing the way that we relate to fans, relate to other people. And that in of itself is what's going to raise the popularity of the sport provide more of that $434 billion into our avenue of the sport. Obviously I'm not trying to take all of it, but I think a good portion of it would be, be great. You know, I've, I've met a lot of you natural athletes. I've met a lot of what you guys do for a living. And it's amazing on how it's not congruent to the effort that you put in as an athlete. And I think that you should be compensated for it, but that doesn't mean it's always going to play out. You know, it's, it's like the WNBA, these, these women work their asses off to be a professional woman's basketball player, but everybody knows there isn't any revenue that goes to that sport. So by default, they're not going to get a lion's share of nothing, especially if their sport isn't generating anything. And the same happens with natural bodybuilding, except I think we have an opportunity to position and market it in a way that can provide money, but that does require a lot of thought process that does require, in my opinion, these top-notch athletes to realize what their worth is, what their value is, and how to create a story and a journey and monetize anticipation for them to be up on stage and the anticipation of competing against other top-notch athletes. But again, um, that takes a lot of thought. That takes a lot of processes. And ironically, um, I'm going to have an episode with one of the natural athletes um, about how we can do that. All right, so now that recaps the top five of things. And here's a recap real quick. So the five biggest takeaways that I got out of the Florida Natural, the setup, the venue, the cookies, the difference in mindsets between the amateurs and pros, the two, the athletes, the community, the team, the vibes, uh, the networking, just absolute phenomenal um, event for that. And then the first and the biggest thing is the natural bodybuilding the amount of money and the resources that are um, allotted to that for now and how we can grow upon that. Now, I am going to kind of talk about the last drama um, events and I'm going to recap really briefly on what happened. I'm not going to name any names, um, but I, I wanted to bring this up because of the way everybody reacted. And, and there are so many different ways to handle this. And um, I'm gonna talk about the two perspectives that I have gained from that said instance. So to recap, a particular athlete who is one of the top performing athletes in the respective sport, didn't place where he thought he deserved. Made a very, very compelling argument um, on social media. I saw the pictures that he was seeing and it's, I hate to say it, but he has a very valid point. With that being said, with him having a very valid point, if you're rooting for the other guy that he had lost to, or if you had voted for that guy, you would also have a compelling point. In other words, it, in my opinion, it was close enough to the point where it could be subjective based on whatever other thing you're looking at. And um, I believe Eric and Carolina said it, the best where in person it looks significantly different than it does on the live stream. And I'll tell you um, both of those particular athletes looked amazing. And, and I've said it over and over again, I would hate to be a judge because I couldn't tell you the difference between either one of them. And it brought a lot of perspectives um, because when he got his second place, he didn't enjoy it. He kind of stormed off and didn't come back for the finals where he had an opportunity to potentially to compete for first place overall. But it was interesting to hear, first of all, all the people that said you could handle the better. You could have handled it better. He didn't have to blow. He could have came back. Although you're right. I, I could definitely say, you know, 
when an athlete gets to that point and puts that much effort into performing and promoting at that event, I can see where when if an athlete feels like he's been slighted and has a paranoia of being slighted, that he can see things from that perspective and not want to come back. I can absolutely see it. And I can see where he would think that some other people are trying to make a name brand of making him in second place. I see it. Now, what I have stormed off and not come back probably not and there's also a probably you guys remember how i reacted after my last competition but here's the thing guys who says what's the correct way to handle that what who says he is not just in thinking the way that he is like we're all just in trying to handle things from a professional manner completely taking ourselves out of the human experience and not realizing there's other emotions that are going involved especially when it comes to that deep of prep and on the day of comp and when you're putting your brand on the line i can imagine how it makes you feel if you are feeling a certain way that other people don't understand and here's the thing just because you don't understand what he's going through doesn't mean that he's not right. And it doesn't mean that we have the just to just project, say, you should be more professional, like way easier said than done. You know, we've all had our moments where something didn't pan out in the way that we thought it would. And then we, it provokes us to act in a certain way. And when we kind of said like, Hey, we just kind of had a human moment. And so did he, but now Here's the other thing. Oh, and actually, before I get into the other thing, here's another thing about that entire event. You could speak about how irrational you think he was. You can speak about all these other things. And it's interesting because I would have thought the same about that instance, but I literally hung out with that said athlete the night before. We had a nice talk about not even competing, but we just talked about life and he even offered to provide me some kind of a training tip and everything. And I was like, Oh, how much would it cost? He's like, nothing. I just want you to show up and be better. He was so calm in everything that we we're talking about every single conversation that I hate to say it, but if he felt that certain way about it, I'm almost behind him on certain, on certain aspects. And I actually would give him more credit than not because of the person I got to meet and experience the night before he's a very calm and level-headed person very asserted young man he, he has his vision on correctly you could tell he's all about the sport with like the 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 good parts of it making people better and winning for the sake of sport and so it was really surprising to see that kind of a response but because i've seen that and i've seen both ends of it I, I, I can't judge him on anything. I, it's hard for me to. But with all that drama being said, with everything calling people out on Instagram, calling the venue out on the potential integrity of it, I think he has a phenomenal opportunity to come back next year and compete again. And this time, because of the drama, because of the eyes, because of what's being said, the only thing that can happen, the only outcome that can happen is a very fair judging, a very objective judging, because all eyes now are going to be set on that competition in that respective division. And there's going to be a lot of eyes on it now because the integrity is called out. And you better believe it's everybody in general, especially when it comes to the art of competition where winners and losers are determined by opinion effectively, you better believe more now than ever that that next event is going to be judged so precise that that said athlete has an opportunity to come back when and prove that he was, well, maybe not exactly right, but prove that he had a point and prove that there might have been a question of a loss of integrity. There might have been a slight of a vote here and there. I'm not saying it did, but I'm saying for your brand, for your legacy, how do you want people to remember you? How do you want people to 
feel about the mark that you made in the sport. And here's the thing. We're talking about the drama right now because it's within a couple of weeks. Three, four, five, six years from now, no one's going to give a fuck about who came in second place, what reason second or third place didn't compete to be in first place. Nobody cares. And I think with this sport, like we were saying, with the popularity of it rising, with the potential verge of being on the mainstream as possible. Like I think these moments of drama, these moments is great comeback stories of a journey going back to um, competing again, as well as kind of getting other personalities involved. I think this all brings great awareness to the sport in order for sports to be monetary in order for it to be as eyes on in public as we would like for it to be with regards to money and it being a good source of developing a career, you got to put eyes on it. And the only way you put eyes on is understanding at the end of the day, it's entertainment. Entertainment is more felt throughout through human experiences from, from instances that we can relate to such as feeling disappointed, such as feeling insecure or having irate moments. Those are the moments that connect people one another. And it's by using all of those energies and building yourself to afford end goal and that's how you kind of create this momentum of generation of money and i think that that particular athlete because of the stage that he has set he has one hell of an opportunity to come back compete next year and i hope i hope he wins because that'd be so fucking great Whew. yeah anyways all right guys i hope you guys really enjoyed this episode um and I really, 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 really would love some insight and input on what you guys think that we can do to raise the popularity of natural bodybuilding, get more people into the sport, um, and then start creating this into a better industry for all, uh, for everybody that participates in it, for everybody that envisions it the same way that I do. And um, yeah, but in the meantime, guys, hope you guys have a phenomenal week. Get on them gains. And until next time, deuce. Thank <laughs> you.